going on everyone welcome back to another episode of Clee talk presented by fenleyroadsports.com i am your host bob i'm hanging out talking my favorite hometown cleveland sports with my older brother chris chris what's going on man Ooh, not much bob i'm pretty tired got back from a very fun weekend trip to washington dc and uh, got my fantasy team fantasy football team assembled so hopefully uh, it'll uh, have some success. I got a lot of the guys I wanted, which was very cool. And uh, I think the value of the draft was getting Lamar Miller uh, with the fourth round pick, the last pick in the fourth round, because I picked number one overall. Sweet. Yeah, man. I'm for. I'm really pumped. Yeah, glad you had a good good draft. Uh, all set for for opening week in, in the NFL preseason is over rosters have been finalized the cleveland browns open up the season against the pittsburgh steelers this weekend uh so obviously we're going to lead with some football preview chris this is a cleveland browns team that uh went 115 last year finished with the worst record in the nfl had the first overall pick and then a ton of subsequent draft picks um went through an interesting offseason what is your general outlook for the Browns and potential success this year? Well, my first thought is they can't be any worse than last year. Uh, one in fifteen season, I would be well. I would be stunned and shocked if they didn't make an improvement in the win column. Uh, that being said, uh, to improve from a one-win season is very easy because the bar is set so low. Um, but but I, I actually have a, a lot of optimism for this team. It, it's cautious optimism, of course. I'm not saying that they're going to have a breakout surprise season. But I do think that, that they are going to get back to their usual kind of five-win mark. I, I think that's where about I have them. And I know that doesn't sound great, but, but I, I think the, the bigger thing I'm looking for is what are these guys going to do on the field? There are a lot of first and second year players on this team, most notably Miles Garrett and Deshaun Kaiser. I think this entire season is going to come down to do those two have strong rookie debuts? Uh, if they do, then the Browns may have found the cornerstone on offense and a cornerstone on defense. And I think that's the best case scenario. Optimistic that. Deshaun Kaiser beat out a bunch of journeyman quarterback for the starting job. He's the guy who had the highest ceiling, and he forced the coach's hands to put him on the field. That is a great sign. Uh, Miles Garrett may not have had like a huge statistical preseason, but I do think he had a presence in the games, and I do think that he has the ceiling to be one of the better defensive ends in the NFL. So... That, that is what I want to see. I want to see, it's not all about record for me. I want to see guys like Corey Coleman, Deshaun Kaiser, Miles Garrett, uh, you know, all these guys who have been drafted over the last two years because there's been an abundance of young players selected. Uh, I want to see a vast majority of them step up and cement roles uh, on this offense and defense. Yeah, I- at one point you said optimism and I think that's what you have to head into the season as a whole uh, feeling optimistic I mean there, there's a huge youth m- movement going on uh, right now with the Browns on both sides of the ball uh, if you look at their too deep it is just stacked with either rookies or players drafted in, in 2016 second year players now go- heading into their, their second year 
Um, so obviously tons of youth, uh, you know, uh, Larry or not Larry, uh, David and Joku, the the tight end that they took uh, in the first round, youngest player in in the draft, uh, Deshaun Kaiser, youngest active quarterback in in the entire NFL. So there's youth up and down this roster. I I don't think you can expect them to be playoff contenders. Um, and if you, are a fan and expect that um we are here to to lower your expectations quite a bit uh five wins that's more than what i expect of them um i expect improvement and, and they they showed at times last year obviously going one in 15 and starting off the season what oh and 13 is they they they, they were they started off the season on a, on a huge losing streak um and we're on on in route to oh and 16 but but Despite that, there were times where they looked like they played with some effort and, and had some talent. I look for more of those moments, possibly some consistent games worth of those moments where they actually uh, play from the first quarter to the fourth quarter uh, like a team that has the potential that they've been drafting. So I, I, I'm optimistic. I don't think it's going to translate to wins. I think they're still going to lose a majority of their games, but I, I'm optimistic because of the youth movement that they have going. No, certainly. And, and um, I, I think that if they could get to five wins and if they could look like they could have been maybe three or four wins better, losing some close games, things like that, and more importantly, the, the young guys on this team, a variety of them stick and carve out roles. I think that's the, the goal for here, too. I think that is the ultimate best-case scenario, especially if those guys are Deshaun Kaiser and Miles Garrett because those are the guys that you're building your offense and defense around right now. I'm not saying either is the answer for the future. We have to find that out. But based on where they were drafted – and, and based on you know where they are in the depth chart, you're you're saying that these are the guys we believe in. So hopefully that belief turns into reality. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, if there's a unit on this team that would be a strength of the Browns, what would it be? Well, I think the obvious answer is offensive line. But but I'm actually going to go a little bit of a different way with this. I I think the defensive front seven could be a strength for the Browns this year. And and I know that right off the bat. They have a lot to prove, but there are a lot of guys I like on this side of the ball. I like Jamie Collins. I like Christian Kirksey. I like the fact that Jamie Collins came in here last year, and they have kind of a linebacker who can help lead the defense, and I think the defensive front four can be a a very strong unit with Danny Shelton, Emmanuel Ogba, and Miles Garrett. It might not be that right away. But I think that as the year goes on, this defensive front seven could morph into a formidable unit. And, and if that were to happen, that, that would be just be another point of optimism going forward. So I actually think the defensive front seven could be sneaky good this year. And it's definitely one area of the team I'm watching very closely. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I think the obvious choice is the offensive line. I mean, anchored by Joe Thomas uh, with his uh, running mate at guard. Joel Batonio, who's been fantastic when healthy, and then they beefed it up with sinking serious money in the center and right guard position, bringing in Treader and, and Kevin Zeitler. And then Sean Coleman, uh, a, a draft pick in the third round from last year, won that right tackle job. So I, I think I'm optimistic that that offensive line is going to be solid, and, and, and Isaiah Crowell and Duke Johnson should probably have 
the best years that the best season of their career because that offensive line is so beefed up but i agree with you if i'm most optimistic or hopeful for a unit it would be that front seven particularly the the, the, the defensive line uh, that is very deep you, you mentioned those starters but uh in the 2d they have carl nassib jamie metter caleb brantley larry Ogunjobi, and nate orchard all waiting on on the bench to come in and, and give that starting lineup uh, uh some spell or or um some some rest at times so i i think that defensive line can be a, a strength of the defense I, i'm hesitant to say the front seven as a total because while you yes i jamie collins christian kirksey i think those are two fantastic linebackers currently the browns only have five linebackers on their roster and other than those two i mean joe Schobert is slotted to be the starter and middle linebacker um and and i'm hopeful for him he, he he's a second year player that that showed signs and 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 won that job but uh i think you need more than five linebackers to have a successful team i haven't looked at uh championship winning depth charts but you need some depth there they they take their licks um it's a bit of a head scratcher from all the cuts that that they only have five linebackers on that depth chart but maybe they'll they'll be adding some people uh some of the cut, cut players but as currently constructed, I think they're a little bit thin there, which inhibits their ability to be a strength of this team. Yeah, no, that, that's certainly that's certainly fair points, and, and I don't necessarily think it's a strength immediately, but I think it definitely has the potential to become a strength, uh, if, if that makes sense. I think after the offensive line, I, I have to go to the defensive front seven uh, because I, there, there are a lot of question marks on this team, Bob. I, I just don't see another unit that is a clear-cut strength for Cleveland. But I do think that the defensive front seven showed enough potential last year that, uh, that it could be something the Browns hang their hat on going into 2017. Yeah, for sure. Now let's go to the, the obvious weakness, especially with the news that Joe Hayden being cut fr- from the Browns roster uh, looking at that secondary, Jabril Peppers, obviously a first-round pick, uh, and, and we'll play some safety there. But, Chris, what, what are you making of the Joe Hayden cut, and, and what's your projection for the secondary um, now that Joe Hayden is not on there? Yeah, it, that was kind of a, a surprising cut to me. Uh, you know, the, the tweets came out that they were shopping him, uh, so so it didn't blindside me, but... I just think that you know Joe Hayden has had a fantastic has a fantastic career up until the last couple seasons. You know, not just three years ago he was a top five corner. I don't think he'll ever get that back. His injuries have slowed him down, and, and, and they were saying in camp that he might only be the third best corner on your depth chart. But I still think he may have been the best they had. Now, a lot of guys unproven here. A lot of guys unproven here. Uh, but they did draft Jabril Peppers in that first round to help. Uh, kind of develop a, a safety that can lead this defense, that, or excuse me, lead the secondary that, that is absent what was its leader for the last five or six years. Uh, you know, uh, Brian B- Body Calhoun is someone that, you know, looked good in the preseason. Uh, uh, Jamar Taylor is going to get a shot at corner. Jason McCourty, of course, is going to see a lot of time at corner. Ibrahim Campbell at safety and uh, Derek Kindred also at safety. So there are going to be a lot of guys who um, get a chance to stick in this secondary. I just think there's so many question marks, so many guys who you're going to have to rely on who, who are 
you know, being asked to do a lot more than they have been in the past. So I, I think that uh, the secondary is certainly a, a major concern for me. Yeah, for sure. And, and Jabril Pepper is super athletic, uh, c- can do a lot of things in, in the return game. Um, coverage, I, I'd say, is his biggest need for improvement. So it's concerning that he might be the most talented player in that secondary, but he seems to be more fit for a run stopper, strong safety role, which is less coverage duty in terms of passing defense uh, i'm really concerned for for this browns defense you know i i understand why they cut joe hayden he's not a 13 million dollar player a year player but that being said you need guys to 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 play corner and, and i agree with you hayden even though he's slowed down by by injuries at this point in his career i, I would say he's better than anything that the browns currently have on this roster so um i mean I get it. They're in a rebuild. They're not looking to win 12 games this year, but I mean, he's better than what, what you have. And then for him to go and sign a deal with Pittsburgh, it's just, uh, it doesn't sit right with me, especially if you add on to the fact that Joe Hayden, since coming to Cleveland has embraced the city. I mean, he's one of the few players that has openly loved being in Cleveland and from the very first year that he was here, he's done that. And he's definitely been a fan favorite. And then to be t- talented enough to go to multiple Pro Bowls and then also embrace the city, it's hard to see him go. I wish him the best. Uh, I wish he was still on the team. Yeah, I certainly wish he was still on the team. And you're right, that was a tough pill to swallow seeing him sign uh, a contract with the Steelers. Uh, speaking of that week one Steelers game, I think that secondary is the biggest reason I I am just not feeling good about this matchup, Bob. I I don't think that the St- I think the Steelers are gonna are licking their chops for that week one that week one matchup. Uh, the the Antonio Brown, Martavius Bryant, and of course Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, not even mentioning Le'Veon Bell's ability in the in the uh, um, passing game. So I I think that's gonna be a rough one for Cleveland. Yeah, yeah. I mean. Most Steelers games are pretty rough for, for Cleveland. I don't think this year will be any different. Um, I, I just I don't think they're ready. I mean, I, I think the Browns could use a whole nother month of preseason. They're just so young. Uh, they're not going to be ready to, to, to face Pittsburgh this Sunday. All right, well, we, we analyzed the depth chart. Um, well, real quick, uh, a couple of roster cuts that I did want to get your opinion on. Uh, first, Cam Irving shipped off to Kansas City for a fifth-round pick. And Jonathan Greco cut. Uh, that means Sean Coleman, as I said, it will be the starting right tackle. Uh, what are you What are you making of the the offensive line moves that they made? Little surprise, Greco got cut just because he has played multiple positions on that line. Kind of a good utility offensive lineman to have. Uh, not surprised Cam Irving isn't on this team. Very surprised they got something for him. So kudos to the Browns organization for flopping him for a fifth round pick and Bob they also shored up the wide receiver position with Sammy Coates uh trading uh the sixth round pick to the Steelers getting him in a seventh back so uh pretty solid uh, under the radar move there as well yeah definitely uh Sammy Coates had his moments last year I'm surprised that he was available but the Steelers did add more depth this offseason so I guess he was expendable I like that move um I I agree with you I mean not only did they ship they were able to trade Cam Irving, but they were able to get a fifth round pick for him, which I find to be uh, higher than expected. I, I would, I uh, was surprised they were able to get anything but a seventh round pick for him. 
um, just from the way he's played. But um, who knows? Uh, maybe he will be on the list of Browns players to find success on a different team, and that'll come back to bite us. But from what I saw, I don't think that's likely. And then probably the the biggest cut of the offseason, uh, if not talent-wise, definitely paycheck-wise, Brock Osweiler not even making the Browns roster. The, the Browns cut him willing to be on the hook for $16 million. He ends up signing a one-year minimum deal with, with Denver, so they're on the hook for about $15 million and a quarter uh, to, to pay Brock Osweiler not to be on the team. Uh, Chris, kind of shocking the short leash that was given to Osweiler and the quick uh, cut that, that was given to him, wouldn't you say? Yeah, very surprising uh, given how much they're paying him not to be on the team and how much they need a quarterback because nobody on the roster has won a game as an NFL starter. So uh, certainly could have used him as a safety net should Deshaun Kaiser struggle. The only thing I can think of is that Brock Osweiler is just not a locker room guy. Um, There were reports out of Houston him not being the best guy to deal with. And, and I just think that the Browns, after seeing him for, for you know however many months they've had him in camp, pre-camp, and all that fun stuff, uh, I just think that they were like, look, we, we, we just we got to bite the bullet here. We got the second-round pick out of him. The money's going to come off the books after a year. We can't use it anywhere else right now. Um, let's just make sure we have a good environment for Deshaun Kaiser to develop in. Uh, that's the only reason I can think of him not being on the roster because there's no question he is better talent-wise than Cody Kessler and Kevin Hogan. He just, um, I don't know. I don't know um, what the behind-the-scenes thing is like, but I can't imagine the Browns are eating that much money uh, if he uh, was a, a good locker room guy or, or a guy who could uh, help in the development of Deshaun Kaiser. Uh, so that that's really the only uh, uh, thought I have as to why they cut him because there's he certainly could have been a serviceable backup quarterback. Yeah, for sure. Uh, oh, and, and number one reason is that he was garbage in preseason. I mean, his play did not uh, keep him around. And then you throw in the, the fact that uh, according to rumor, he's not the, the most pleasant guy in, in the locker room, not giving you a boost in terms of chemistry or in terms of mentoring your, your young guy, your young quarterbacks. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's an easy way to, for a team to swallow $16 million and pay you not to be on the team. Um, Kevin Hogan looked really good in those last two preseason games. I, I imagine that uh, if he if Hogan didn't play so well, if he played poorly, Osweiler might have a chance to stick around, but uh, I think Kessler and Hogan prove that they want to be here and that they're they have some marginal potential that uh, you know warrants them a roster spot. I mean, n- not only that, Chris, but they went out and, and signed Josh Woodrum after the cuts. They they have four quarterbacks on this depth chart, none of them Brock Osweiler. Yeah, I think that's the other most surprising part is that not only did they cut Brock Osweiler, but they signed another quarterback. So they still carried four quarterbacks on the depth chart. It wasn't like they freed up a spot for another guy. Uh, They still are dedicating four spots, which is uh, high for an NFL team to the quarterback position. Uh, that I mean, that, that just screams that the guy just was not a fit in the locker room. Uh, just based on the reports out of Houston, based on the rumblings, that just screams that whatever it was, it just wasn't working behind the scenes. 
Well, he's back in Denver. This the saga is complete. Um, make what you will of it. Uh, he he is now backing up uh, the guys in Denver. So yeah, that that'll be an interesting situation to watch. Uh, see if he can uh, find his groove back. The the one good year he had, he he did it with Denver. So uh, you know, we'll we'll see what happens there. Yeah, for sure. Well, Chris, uh, we talked a lot about the depth of the Browns and our expectations. Let's put a number to it. What is your regular season prediction for the Browns? I'm going to go optimistic. I'm going to say 5-11. and 11. Uh, I, 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 Again, I think they'll be better than last year. It, it, the bar was set so low at 1-15. But I think they'll be 5-11. and 11. Now, Obviously, another double-digit losses for the Cleveland Browns. Um, but the key here is I just want them to look like next year they have room to grow that they lost some close games and it's like oh man if we had just done this and that maybe but the rookies these young guys look good and there's optimism it's not a 5-11 and where everything falls apart in December everyone gets hurt and Miles Garrett doesn't work out I mean that's that's a bad 5-11 and I think the Browns for once are finally going to turn in if there is such a thing as a good 5-11 and a good 5-11 and that builds some momentum into the offseason yeah, for sure. Um, the, the Browns will go as far as Kaiser is able to take them. Um, if Kaiser lights up the world and looks like rookie of the year material from week one, I think they could surpass five wins easily. Um, I am tempering those expectations, though. I'm going with four and 12. I've circled the winnable games on the schedule. Uh, hosting New York Jets, uh, they look to be awful this year hosting Jacksonville Jaguars uh, they have always been awful and then at Chicago late in the season those three are winnable I think that they uh, at least won't enter any of those games as heavy underdogs uh, depending how the season plays out obviously Um, and then I think just you know you have to give them the one win in the division at least so that's how we get to four I don't know where that will come because they're going to be underdogs against all three of those teams all year long Uh, but I'm giving them the credit that they will win one game in the AFC North, uh, and that'll make them four and twelve. Bob, that, that we circled the exact same games, the the sort of three winnable games plus a upset. One more wild card game for you: Indianapolis in Week Three. Andrew Luck could be seriously hurt there mums the word on that shoulder if he is not playing for the Colts, I think the Browns win that game easily in Indianapolis. Yeah, very very good point. He is ruled out for week one, um, so we will have to see as that uh, turns up. So yeah, potentially four winnable games on the Browns' schedule. Uh, even going, looking at last year, I mean, we, we were very pessimistic last year, Chris. I don't think we circled four winnable games for the Browns last year. I think we circled maybe two last year. Yeah. So uh, yeah, yeah, the optimism's building. This is a good thing. It's a good thing. Yeah, it's going to get shattered really quickly, though. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll come back and, and re-listen to this once the Browns are 0-12 or something. Uh, but sticking in the division, Chris, the AFC North, who uh, do you like to win this division? Pittsburgh. I, I think their defense is, is not what it was, but it's still good enough. And their offense is just so high-flying, so powerful. And Ben Roethlisberger is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL Sometimes the obvious pick's the right pick, but I think Baltimore is still kind of in a shaky transition. And, and uh, you know, I think Cincinnati's going to be better this year, but I still think Pittsburgh is, is the is the class of this division. Yeah, I agree with you. The offense is just high octane, and they continue to 
invest in that defense again their first round pick going on the defensive side the tj watt jj watt's younger brother um one day that defense is going to come to fruition and they're going to be the Steelers of old and have a fantastic smash mouth defense I'm not sure if it's this year but I think they'll improve for sure um I agree with you the Ravens uh just don't have it offensively they'll be great defensively I think they'll be even better but uh, this is the Steelers division to lose this year for sure yeah so I I did mention that the the Bengals will be better this year my bold prediction for the AFC is that not only will they be over 500 but they will win the second AFC wild card so I think they will finish ahead of the Ravens interesting um I don't feel that way about the Bengals I actually think the Ravens are gonna have such a good defense they will be a a wild card team I, I just think that they are set to be uh pretty lethal on the defensive side and I think they'll have enough offensively uh, to, to get that wild card spot yeah no the ravens are a good pick but uh i'm i'm thinking the Bengals will bounce back all right yeah i mean i i think all three of them have potential obviously uh, i wouldn't be surprised they've done it before all three have made the playoffs before uh in years past but moving on to the afc east this is probably the easiest one chris who do you got to take the division Patriots and this year it's real easy Dolphins don't have a quarterback or they have Jay Cutler and uh you know I just think the Bills are in and Jets are in teardown mode I think the Patriots win this division easy yeah nothing really that I can add to it I mean the Pates the Pats are all in the other three teams are all out uh yeah <laughs> for sure uh moving on to the AFC West who do you got this is the toughest one. I have two teams coming out of it, the Chiefs and Raiders. I don't know which one's going to win the division. I kind of flipped the coin here, and I'm just going to go Chiefs. But I think both will make the playoffs. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's really tough. I actually think all four of them have the potential to make the playoffs, but the Chiefs and Raiders seem to be the cream uh, of this division. I think both of them will make the playoffs as well. Um, I will be a little bit more definitive. I think the Raiders are going to win the division. Wouldn't surprise me either. And if Derek Carr didn't get hurt, they'd probably win the division last year too. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, And then rounding out the AFC South, who do you have there? This will be a wild division. This is going to come down to how injured is Andrew Luck. But I actually think the Titans will capitalize off their breakout nine and seven year and take another step forward. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, this division is always hard to, to pick because they're always all so bad. But I think the Titans are in the best position to win this division. If if luck were healthy going in the season, I think you have to pick them uh, or pick the Colts. But with his status in doubt and the Titans at full strength, I think you have to give it to him. All right, now moving to the NFC. Uh, who do you have in the NFC North? I think this is a pretty easy division too. I think the Packers, uh, the Vikings and Lions could be decent. I think the Bears are in rebuild, but I just think the Packers with Aaron Rodgers, they're, they're just going to win this division relatively easy. Yeah, I think uh, I think the Packers are for sure division favorites, and I have them win division. I also have the Lions winning a wild card. I think they'll have a good year. That wouldn't surprise me. That's actually a good uh, dark horse pick. I thought about going with them, but but I did not. I went with another kind of surprise team. All right. Well, we will find out who that is really shortly. Uh, moving to the NFC East, who are you picking there? Yeah, this is going to be a fun division. I think uh, uh, that, that all four teams have intrigue. I, I think that the Cowboys are due for a step back. I have them not making the playoffs. I have the Giants winning the divisions and Washington as my surprise playoff team as the second wild card. Interesting. I, I, I like that. I agree with you. I think Dallas will step back as well. 
not because of the Zeke suspension, though. Obviously, you want your best players on the field, but I think Dak is going to have some step back issues uh, in year two, a little bit of the sophomore slump. And that offensive line isn't as great as what it has been in the past couple years. They, they have some issues and some depth issues there. And we that offensive line has been the best in the business over the past few years. If they're not healthy, uh, I, I see some problems for, the, for Dallas. I agree with you. I think the Giants are finally going to capitalize uh, and, and win this division. Moving on to the NFC West, who do you have there? Again, this is another relatively easy division. I think Seattle wins it. I think Arizona's trending down, and and the other two teams, San Francisco and uh, well now Los Angeles, are are just in too much of a rebuild mode to challenge Seattle. Yeah, for sure. I think Seattle is definitely the the favorite to win this division, though. The Cardinals, uh, I think they have enough to put it together and win the division, though they lost a lot on defense. David Johnson is just too good, uh, and that offense still has uh, some gas in it, but I think it is Seattle's to lose for sure. They're going to win the division. Uh, And then moving to the NFC South, who do you have there? I do not have the Falcons. They are my other wild card team. I am going with Tampa Bay having a breakout season and winning the NFC South. Gosh, I struggled with that one. NFC South. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, hard, hard to argue with either of those. I have it reversed, though. I think the Falcons are going to maintain dominance in the division, win it again, uh, just because I think they are, are probably going to be really mad uh, to start off the year. I, I think they're going to be really focused uh, throughout the entire year. And I agree with you. Tampa Bay's up and coming. I think this is the year they put it all together. Mike Evans was my number one pick in fantasy after keepers. Uh, they were, they were like David Johnson and Le'Veon Bell and them all were kept. There were about seven guys kept, but Le- Mike Evans was my first round pick. Yeah, I mean, even without keepers, that's a good first round pick. Mike Evans uh, had a legit season. I wouldn't have taken him number one overall, though, had those other keepers had been there. But Mike Evans, man, for sure, big time, baby. Yeah. All right, well, we have our playoff predictions. Let's make a Super Bowl pick. One of these years, it's going to come true. One of these years, it's going to happen. One of these years, Tom Brady is going to play Aaron Rodgers in the Super Bowl. I feel like I've been making this pick for the last decade. But one of these years, the Patriots and Packers will play. Why not? I'll do it again. Patriots over Packers. If it doesn't happen this year, it's probably never going to happen. So let's go. Come on. Yeah, I was about to say one of these years. I mean, Tom Brady's years are, are pretty numbered. I mean, uh, maybe Jimmy Garoppolo and Aaron Rodgers will play <laughs> in, a, in a Super Bowl. And that'll uh, that'll just be you, a troll to me. That'll just be fate trolling me. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that would be funny. Um all right, for, for mine, uh, I, I think Oakland is going to put it all together and, and make a run into the Super Bowl. I have them winning it all uh, against Seattle. Bob, that's a, that's, a, that's a fairly bold prediction. It's not unheard of, but it is a fairly bold prediction. I, I am impressed. Kudos to you. Apparently, in terms of uh, Vegas bets, Oakland uh, has been the most bet on team to win the Super Bowl. No, they probably they probably have a pretty favorable odds or something like that because those those are Vegas sharks they they can spot blood when they see it I guess I don't know. 
Yeah. All right. Uh, let's talk about some individual awards. Who do you have for MVP? I, I think if the Packers are the best team in the NFC, Aaron Rodgers is going to win MVP. So I'm going with Aaron Rodgers. Well, um, if I'm on this Oakland train, I'm all in on it. Uh, I think if they're making a Super Bowl run, Derek Carr is in the MVP conversation. And uh, if they make the Super Bowl or have that that potential to make the Super Bowl, I think Derek Carr is going to bring home the trophy. I'm a huge Derek Carr fan, by the way. Bob, can you believe he's my backup quarterback in fantasy? Mine too. He was ranked so low in, in most fantasy rankings, probably because of the injury. Yeah, but that's still unbelievable that that he wasn't rated. I think he's a top eight, seven, well, fantasy quarterback, and I think he's one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL. Yeah, no, he he certainly is and has potential to be for a long time. Probably the best quarterback out of that class. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, with Teddy Bridgewater getting hurt, it's it's not even close anymore. Uh, I think Bridgewater was on his way to being really good until – I mean, he might miss two full seasons now. I, I just feel so bad for, for Teddy. All right. Well, that is the NFL preview. Obviously, uh, we'll be checking in every week uh, with what the Browns are doing and with what, what's going on uh, in the NFL in general. Um, Chris, just on record, win or loss against Pittsburgh? Loss. And I, I think yeah. it'll be a bad one. Uh, yep, I agree with you on that one. Uh, but we will recap it and see if there are any bright spots uh, from our predicted bloodbath next week. Uh, but due to uh, some crazy news happening in Cleveland sports last week, we did not do a college football preview. So we are going into the ranks of college post week one uh, and, and talking some Ohio State football and some college football in general and get, are going to make some predictions there as well with the added foresight of how week one played out. But Chris, uh, heading into week two already, Ohio State um, coming off a win in Indiana uh, is now going to host Oklahoma for a top 10 showdown. Um, struggled a little bit in the first half against Indiana before turning it on to win that game. What What's your outlook uh, as they uh, head into this big matchup against the Sooners? Well, it was good to see them bounce back against Indiana from a rough first half. Um, look, last year, Ohio State went to Oklahoma. You and I both thought that they were not ready for that, and they drummed them into oblivion. A lot of this team is back this year, and they're playing in Columbus. I think I feel very strong about Ohio State's chances after a quote-unquote rebuild year last year that saw them go 11-1 and make the college football playoff. I, I think that they are poised to have a big season I think that they are the favorites to win the Big Ten and I think that Urban Meyer just keeps on churning out high talented recruits one of the best coaches in the nation and and Oklahoma's got a little uncertainty you know switching over from Bob Stoops uh, so much stability there I I actually think Ohio State will beat Oklahoma uh, this weekend and, and I am very optimistic about their chances to return to the college football playoff yeah, I, I think they, they have to be favorite. I mean, they, they enter uh, as a nine-point favorite uh, in this game, um, hosting Oklahoma. Um, Chris, I, I think this year we can say with, with Ohio State and Alabama, and uh, that might be it, but with those two teams, there are no rebuilds. I mean, these teams are just stacked with talent, waiting in the wings, next-man-up mentality that uh, they, in this current landscape, 
don't seem to ever be set for, for a rebuild. So um, that seems just to be the reality that, that we're looking at. Um, I, I agree with you. I, I think Ohio State has to be the favorite and, and will probably win this game. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if they win it pretty easily just from the way they handled them last year um, and, and the way these two teams match up. I, I don't see Oklahoma having the defensive strengths to stop Ohio State uh, on the road. Yeah, that's the key for me. I don't think Oklahoma's defense is up to par, and I think Ohio State's defense is definitely up to par. You saw what they did against uh, you know, the high-octane Oklahoma offense last year on the road. Um, I, I just think this is a bad matchup for Oklahoma. I'm not saying Oklahoma's a bad team. I just think it's a bad matchup on the road, and after what Ohio State did as a younger team last year, um, I'm very optimistic about them winning fairly convincingly this time around as well. Yeah, for sure. One X factor, and I think if uh, of everyone playing, uh, is probably the biggest X factor. Baker Mayfield can turn it on, and he can certainly carry his team more than uh, any of the other playmakers are going to be on the field there. So, don't be surprised if Mayfield makes some big play, big time throws, and, and throws his name into the Heisman race that that he has been in over the past couple of years. But if I'm putting money on it, I think Ohio State wins this game. No, certainly. All right, well, we haven't had a chance to talk much of Ohio State's outlook this season. Um, so, Chris, just from a general scope, what are the strengths and weaknesses of this team? Well, Ohio State's a team built on rushing and defense, but they also have a darn good quarterback in JT Barrett, who is in a lot of people's preseason Heisman top 10 polls. Uh, he, had a, he had a strong game against Indiana, struggled in the first half, but finished with 304 yards passing, three touchdowns. Uh, 20 of 35 completion and of course on the ground 61 yards and another touchdown so JT Barrett uh, he's been there for so long it feels like he's been there forever but he is he is a he is a quarterback who can can do it both ways beat you with his legs and his arm but he he has struggled at times when he is forced to stay in the pocket and pick the defense apart so hopefully he can build off of this strong passing performance and, and continue to be a, a reliable doodle threat quarterback because at times his passing has cost the Buckeyes some games in the past I'm not saying he's a bad player by any means he's a dynamic player one of the best in college football but I certainly think that with him at the helm a seasoned veteran quarterback uh, the Buckeyes have just another dimension to their traditional bread and butter of running and defense yeah for sure I, I think Ohio State will go as far as JT Barrett can lead them and I know I've said that uh, for Deshaun Kaiser earlier in the podcast, but I, I think it holds true. I mean, this team is stacked everywhere, including the quarterback position. It's just can Barrett be consistent throughout an entire season, um, and, and especially in in the passing aspect, and especially the deep ball. If he can consistently push the ball down the field with his arm, in addition to the option and, and the short plays that are the wrinkles of, of this offense, I think Ohio State will be near unbeatable. But in in their losses uh, and in some of their close losses, we've seen that at times that passing game just seems to go away. And I think that's the story again this year. Uh, and again, uh, that that opening game against Indiana seemed to play out very similar to how this team performed last season in that, you know, very slow starts and come from behind victories in the second half, uh, kind of a tale of two teams, if you will. Um, can they be more consistent? Because in, in 
making a run to the national title, you, you can't have a lot of room for error. And those inconsistencies can lead to some serious mistakes and some, some losses uh, that aren't predicted. So I think they'll go as far as JT Barrett is willing to lead them. Uh, but surrounding JT Barrett, there's talent at running back, there's talent uh, at wide receiver, and they are stacked defensively. Uh, this is definitely a national title contending team for sure. And a couple of breakout players in that Indiana game. Uh, Paris Campbell was obviously here last year, but six receptions, 136 yards, and a touchdown. That's obviously very good to see out of the receiving core. That had to reload a little bit after losing a couple key contributors last year. Yeah, for sure. And uh, J.K. Dobbins, the freshman running back, uh, picked up some serious yardage against Indiana. Uh, a true freshman looks to, to just be part of that stable history of running backs uh, for the Buckeyes. Anytime your name is up with Maurice Clarets as freshman Ohio State records, uh, that's a pretty good thing. 181 yards, Bob. That That's a big game. Yeah, for sure. Very impressive. All right, well, let's do some predicting, go around the conferences here. We'll start with Ohio State's home conference, the Big Ten. Uh, it sounds like we uh, are in agreement, but who, who do you have winning this conference? Yeah, I think Ohio State wins. I, I think Michigan will challenge them. Uh, I think Penn State will be good too, but I, I just think Ohio State's going to win. I can't pick against the team that's just dominated this league for the last 17 years. Yeah, I think uh, they're they're obviously the team to beat. Um, Michigan, I expect them to take a brief step back just because they arrived last season. We're a really good team. Um, it, it takes a couple years for them to have sustained, repeated success, as we've seen with Ohio State being able to just reload and be successful year in, year out. I think Penn State will be their biggest challenge, um, but Ohio State is built to win this conference. I think they're going to win it again. I will say Michigan looked very good against Florida with a 33-17 win uh, last in Week One. So, uh, but I, I do agree. I still I think Michigan will be a threat. But you're right for they 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 might need one more year. All right, we'll move into the coast of the ACC. Who do you have winning that one? Okay, so admittedly, had this pick been made before DeAndre Francois was injured, I would have picked Florida State. So full disclosure there. This is a hindsight pick. But with him out, I've got to go Clemson. I don't think Florida State will win the ACC with one of their best players, a key part of their team, injured. Yeah, not just uh, they're a key part of their team injured, but their backup uh, or who will be starting for them uh, for the foreseeable future is a freshman who is six foot five and one hundred sixty pounds. <laughs> I saw a picture of this kid, Chris, and he is skinnier than me uh, after, you know, after I haven't eaten for a week. Like he, I, I'm worried for him. I, I am. And I don't think it bodes well for, for Florida State season. Yeah, we have the foresight of week one and usually you don't get a lot of good matchups, but the Alabama Florida State matchup was certainly uh, one that delivered and had some serious star power going going for it. So with Alabama winning that game, we have a little bit of clarity with the ACC Combine that with that Francois injury, you have to go with Clemson, who's the fifth-ranked team right now. Louisville, with Lamar Jackson back as well, could challenge for that as well. But but I, I think Clemson will, will win it again. Yeah, I mean, Clemson is, is getting to that point where they just are able to reload year in, year out, and, and are going on a run right now. So uh, I, I think they're definitely the favorite to win it now that we know, have some clarity about Florida State. Um kind of swinging it uh, through the south let's go to the sec who do you have there chris I mean, 
you're a fool if you pick against Alabama. I'm sorry. I mean, they've just been crushing that league for the last seven, eight years. Um, it, they've somehow put a sizable gap between themselves and the rest of the SEC, which is impressive in and of its own right. Uh, but but I am definitely not going to be the one to pick against Nick Saban and the Alabama Crimson Tide. I think they win the SEC. Yeah, I mean, they, they lost a ton of defensive talent to the draft, uh, and it was the defense that won that game against Florida State. They did look just as nasty, different names, different numbers, but the same style of play from that, that defensive unit. And they finally have some consistency at quarterback with Jalen Hurts uh, coming back for a second season, a sophomore season. So, yeah, definitely Alabama's going to win that conference, barring some huge upset. And going to the Midwest here, uh, who do you have for the Big 12? Well, I just said Oklahoma. I, I, you know, we've talked a lot about them, but I think Oklahoma's going to win the league again. Uh, you know, I... This is a tough one to pick. Uh, you know, Texas started ranked, but but had a big upset loss to Maryland. Uh, that that stunned me, and I'm I'm a huge Big Ten fan too. Um, and it's still weird to say that Maryland's in the Big Ten, but um, yeah, I think Oklahoma's going to win it. But I, I, Oklahoma State could challenge them, but I do think Oklahoma will win it. Yeah, I mean, it's going to come down to that November seven matchup between Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. I could easily see that being a top ten matchup, and actually, I think it will be. And whoever wins that will be the winner of the Big 12 and, and possibly uh, playoff bound. Um, but if I'm going to put money on it, ooh, if I'm going to put money on it, I would, I'm going to pick Oklahoma State. I'm just going to be different. I, I think they have the firepower to, to win the Big 12. And if you know they, they don't have that out-of-conference game against Ohio State like Oklahoma does, so they uh, could even absorb that loss against Oklahoma. Uh Maybe not to win the conference, but I, I think they could do it. I, I, I'm going to pick them to win the Big 12. Bob, just one quick wrinkle in the Big 12. They will have a championship game this year. I believe the number one and number two teams will rematch after they do a true round robin. So we could see an Oklahoma-Oklahoma State double feature, and that could get interesting if the loser of the regular season beats the other in the Big 12 title game could be very intriguing for sure yeah that that's a very good point first conference title game uh three years too late but uh good that they finally got hip to it um mason rudolph the quarterback for oklahoma state uh, is really good he's gonna put up some huge numbers this year um moving out west to the pac-12 chris who do you have there okay this is my upset pick but i've got ucla and I know they had to come back big just to beat Texas A&M, but Texas A&M is a really good team, and they came back big to beat them. I'm not confident in Washington. I'm not confident in USC. I'm going UCLA. This is my dark horse pick of the year. I like it. I could dig it. Uh, I could definitely get behind it. Um, that that comeback game was fantastic. The game, possibly the game of the week uh, for, for week one. Um, very surprising that they're able to pull that off, and, and they have lots of talent. I just think you know this is USC's year. I, I think I really think it is. They they went on a tear to to close off last uh, last year's uh, season. They had a fantastic bowl finish. Um, I, I think USC is, is finally going to win the Pac-12 after me picking them for the past three years. And, and again, it wouldn't surprise me if USC or Washington won. I'm just going alternative because I think this conference is the one that's not to me that, that doesn't have a clear winner. Yeah, I think there are more players. Uh, at the top than just about any other any other conference right now 
Yeah, I agree with that. Bob, I felt like our conference picks in the other four felt very similar to 2016. Uh, there's not been a lot of turnover in college football from year to year. <laughs> yeah, um, it's kind of, I don't know. It, it, it's weird how it's trending, but it seems like we're getting more. The 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 big guys on top of each conference seem to be putting more, more ground between them and, and the rest of the competition. It's interesting. All right, so we made our conference picks. Uh, Chris, I guess the, the, the main question is, is, well, who's the odd man out? Who, 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 who rounds out your college football playoff? Well, the odd man out for me is UCLA. I've got Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama, Oklahoma in my college football playoff, and I will have Ohio State and Alabama in the final, and I'll be a homer and pick the Buckeyes to win the title. Hard to argue against that. Mine's pretty similar. Alabama, Ohio State, and Clemson. Uh, rounding out the top three. I think that's what we predicted last year as well. Uh, I'm going with USC just to be different. Um, and, man, that's it's intriguing. I, I think I agree with you. I think it's going to be an Alabama-OSU matchup. And just to be different, I'll pick Alabama. I, I do think Ohio State will get revenge against Clemson again. I think they will be the 2-3. And this time around, Ohio State will be the one uh, – coming out victorious i'm not going to predict a beatdown. clemson's really good but i think that they will uh, come out victorious <laughs> maybe revenge redemption maybe a little bit of redemption will redeem themselves against clemson cool. i mean they got shut out in the semifinals. that's embarrassing <laughs> like yeah. come on <laughs> yeah for sure all right so those that's our uh results prediction chris who do you have winning the heisman when it's all said and done okay there's never been the two-time winner is very rare but lamar jackson is not getting any love i saw a preseason list of the five best quarterbacks in college football and he wasn't on it now i know he's not probably not going to be a quarterback in the nfl but come on man he won the heisman last year so just to give Lamar Jackson some love, I'm going to say that he plays with a huge chip on his shoulder and wins a second Heisman Trophy. I don't, I'm not confident in that pick at all, but I just want to give Lamar Jackson some love, man. The guy is an explosive college football player. Yeah, no, definitely uh, surprising that the, Heis, the defending Heisman winner isn't on some of these Heisman shortlists. It's quite a head-scratcher. I'm glad that you picked him. Um, Chris, if I'm picking Oklahoma State to win the Big 12, I think I have to go with Mason Rudolph winning that Heisman. Um, whether they win the Big 12 or not, he's going to put up huge numbers. But if they can put some weight of a college football playoff run behind it, I, I think he's going to take home the trophy. Yeah, he, he would be my pick had I not been hyping up Lamar Jackson. I, I just got to give the man some love. He's the defending Heisman Trophy winner. He's left off almost every preseason ballot. Come on. <laughs> Yeah, very, very much a head-scratcher for sure. All right, well, that's it for uh, our college football preview. Obviously, a big, big matchup, Ohio State versus Oklahoma this weekend. We will recap the results of that and look ahead uh, to Ohio State's schedule next week as well. But now, Chris, let's turn back to Cleveland for a little bit and talk tribe time uh, with the win against the White Sox today. Uh, currently embarking on a 12-game win streak. Corey Kluber, AL Pitcher of the Month for August. That he's won it in June as well. Uh, as an ERA for the starters in the month of August, I think they're sub 250. Uh, Chris, th this is a hot team, uh, probably the hottest team in, in baseball right now. 
Uh, what's your takeaway from all of it? My take is it is very fun to be an Indians fan right now. And they didn't, uh, we've said this a couple times on the podcast, but August wasn't exactly an easy month for the tribe. They had a 23 game stretch. They had to, they won four games in three days with the two double headers. They swept two double headers in a span of three days. That's insane. I mean, it's just like everything that gets thrown at them injuries, no way. Yeah, I mean, they just swat everything away. Everything they just thrown at them, they just get swat everything away. 81 and 56. They're chasing down Houston for the best record in the American League, and they've put about four games between them and the Red Sox for the number two seed. Bob, this is a team that is peaking at the right time, and my goodness, man, it is a fantastic time to be a fan of the Cleveland Indians. I just hope that this tidal wave keeps going up and up and up, and they take this momentum right into October and all the way through the World Series because, man, I am all in on the Cleveland Indians. This this just they're my favorite team in all of sports and I love seeing them being this dominant. Yeah, man, they are uh th- they are are peaking at, at the perfect time. They hit September 1st and they got a huge boost in the arm with the reinforcements activating Lonnie Chisholm and Abraham Almonte, calling up star prospect Francisco Meja. Josh Tomlin comes off the DL. I mean, it's really the next man up mentality for them and they have the depth to to back that up, uh, Yandy Diaz and Roberto Perez over this win streak have uh, been contributing just as much as Jose Ramirez and Francisco Lindor. It, it's been great to see uh, all sides of the ball. They're clicking uh, 33 and 16 in in the second half. Um, Chris, when I was watching the game today, they, they threw up a stat. In the month of August, Corey Kluber won seven games. So did Trevor Bauer. And, and uh, he had a fantastic month of August. Um, also pitching, I think he had, he was five and he, 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 I know he had a sub 250 ERA, but Corey Kluber's was like 167 or something like that. So that's why he was pitcher of the month. But, uh, those two have been fantastic. Uh, and that, that has carried into the, the early week of September, uh, nine and a half games up against Minnesota now. Uh, yeah, man, I I'm all in on this team. Bob, if this is the Trevor Bauer the Cleveland Indians are going to get for October, um, I don't know if any team can beat them because they will have three legitimate aces that they can throw, and I just don't see anyone beating them four times. Yeah. No, I, I, Chris, I, I think they're only going to get healthier. I mean, they still have uh, Danny Salazar's uh, set to, to start tomorrow, so he's back. They still have Andrew Miller, Michael Brantley, and Jason Kipnis nursing some injuries i mean they're only going to get more depth and more experience uh if i'm houston or boston i'd be scared right now because cleveland is on a tear tribe time baby that's all i gotta say all right and we will close out the podcast with talking about the irving trade i'm not talking about cam irving though he was traded the same day as kyrie irving uh or as the deal was finalized for kyrie irving chris after all the drama the week-long debate uh, about isaiah thomas's hip uh, the deal was agreed to as it stood, plus a 2020 second round pick from the Boston Celtics to sweeten it and to make taking on that hip a little bit easier for the Cavaliers. So, Chris, uh, pretty much the same deal that uh, was reported in the very beginning. Was it a good deal for the Cavs? Uh, yeah, it's a good deal for the Cavs overall. Uh, I'm not going to scoff at a 2020 pick, but I'm just about to scoff at a 2020 pick. That was Boston bailing Cleveland out and letting them save face for trying to pull a bluff look Cleveland tried to bluff 
and they tried to get an asset. Kudos to them for leveraging a situation, but Boston wasn't biting. But at least they gave them a little sweetener just so everyone could save face and all the egos returned home nice and neat. But the, the fact of the matter is, uh, this was a good deal. An unprotected first-round pick from Brooklyn is a great asset. Uh, Jay Crowder gives depth. Uh, obviously, Isaiah Thomas, a lot of questions around him, but I don't think the Cavs were going to do better than this deal, and they did about as good as they could given the situation Kyrie Irving put them in. So uh, that that's really all I got to say right now because, like I said earlier, Bob, it's tribe time. I don't want to deal with this drama anymore, and I'm glad it's over. I'm glad it's over, and I'm glad the Cavs uh, are happy with the deal. I mean, I'm happy with it. I think it's, like you said, uh, best that they would be able to do given their circumstances uh, heading into September. So um, I'm happy with it. I, I have good expectations for the Cavs, but I'm with you, Chris. It's time to, to focus on the Indians for a little bit. And that is exactly what I intend to do this week because uh, Cleveland Indians, 12-game winning streak, fantastic month of August. Let's just hope they keep it up and start getting healthier and and stop getting injured because the injuries uh, had piled up pretty bad in that month. Um, but yeah, we, we injected a ton into this podcast, all our football previews. Uh, thank you for sticking us with us for a, a little bit longer episode than we're accustomed to. Uh, but you can check out all our old episodes of Clee Talk on FenleyRoadSports.com. You can also subscribe to our podcast via iTunes. You can click the icon in the upper right corner of FenleyRoadSports.com. Or you can search Fenley Road Sports on iTunes and click Clee Talk. It's just that simple. We appreciate your support. And, of course, if you want to rate us five stars, we'd love that as well. Um, you can also follow us on Twitter or Instagram by searching Fenley Road Sports. We appreciate your support. We'll be back next week with another episode of Clee Talk. Lots to talk about. Tribe, Browns, kickoff, and, of course, the Buckeyes' big date with Oklahoma in the shoe on Saturday. But until then, go Tribe. All right, I'll see you, Chris. Go Tribe. Take it easy, Bob.